The Forum at 8 on SAFM. So last week we reported that PhD qualification of South Africa's ambassador to Japan, Mohao Peku, is not authentic. A few days prior to this Financial Times expose on Ambassador Peku's qualification, it was found that 19 teachers from KwaZulu-Natal did not possess matric qualifications and had further produced fraudulent matric certificates when applying for positions with the Department of Basic Education. Last year, anti-apartheid activist, politician and commentator Paolo George was disgraced for falsifying his PhD. And on the forum at 8 this morning, we ask just how prevalent is a fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? But before we get into the discussion, um, our colleague uh, Darshan Moodley on Midday Live caught up with our ambassador to Japan, Mohao Peko, and this is what she had to say. I've decided to use the title of No Doctor because it has raised a number of questions and I think that's very important. But I think more importantly, I myself have done my own uh, reflection and uh, have realized that I was blindsided by my own anger at uh, the injustice of uh, completing the work, paying a lot of good money, uh, being supervised by um, excellent professors only to end up with nothing. And I realized that um, the moral of the story is that as a, as a high-ranking official, we are held to a different standard. And uh, I, I, have to, I have to withdraw uh, from using this until I can uh, find another way to go back uh, and, 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 and start over. That, that's just what it is. You submitted the work for the PhD, but were you ever conferred or awarded the title of doctor? I was awarded a letter stating that you have completed your work and shall be awarded uh, this degree and the graduation date shall be on this date. You know, we were given all the graduation uh, details and dates, etc. I was already in South Africa. I would not have afforded to go uh, to the ceremony um, itself. But that letter came out. It was only after I started, of course, uh, requesting it to be mailed to me by post and also requesting uh, my, my, the work that I had done for my PhD that I ran into a lot of uh, problems, which I pursued also uh, even with the Louisiana Department of Education. Uh, I tried everything to um, ascertain, uh, to, to attain uh, these documents. So when did you first come to know that your qualification may be questionable at, at best? At never at any point thought that my, my credentials were questionable. I had done the work. I had received a letter from the institution confirming that I have uh, completed uh, successfully uh, my work. So it, it enhanced, it's only in hindsight with all the information and re- realizing uh, the corruption case that was uh, brought against the institution uh, that one uh, uh, realized that there were real problems. There was never an academic a problem that was uh, raised with the institution. It was always the corruption of the administration uh, that was raised. So it never, I, I did not uh, in, in, in my own mind uh, ever think uh, that uh, this would be problematic. 
The Financial Mail article does cite the corruption at the, the university and questions the authenticity of your CV. It says it was initially flagged by the Canadian government back in 2010. The legal cases against the university date back to 1996. Why only now are you deciding to, to question this and, and withdraw the title until you weigh your options? I have done the work. In my view, the letter that was given to me uh, said that I had completed the work successfully. I am also uh, a member and citizen of South Africa, and I feel that when uh, this, since this has happened, and there are questions uh, which not only just question the credibility of my credentials, really question uh, my integrity, uh, I am uh, morally bound uh, to to do this. That was Mahao Peko speaking to Dosh and Moodley last week on Midday Live. And uh, the question we are asking you on the forum this morning is, how prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? And joining us for the discussion this morning, Jenny Reed, Director of IFACTS, who's here in our Joburg studio. Thanks for coming through, Jenny. Good morning. We also have with us Joe Samuels, who's CEO of the South African Qualifications Authority, SAQWA. Thanks for your time as well, uh, Mr. Samuels. Uh, good morning, and it's an absolute pleasure. And we also have joining us from Pretoria, uh, Professor Somadota uh, from Cape Town, Professor Somadota Fikeni, who's a political analyst, and whose own qualification at one time was questioned. Good morning, uh, Dr. Fikeni. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your listeners. Well, Professor Fikeni, I just have to ask, is this a case of there being a spike, an increase in the number of fraudulent qualifications, or is it simply a matter of more of them coming to light at this point? Well, I would think that it's more of them coming to light, and also there is a certain momentum at this stage uh, as when people do take a high profile, there is more investigation. And it's quite a worrying factor the government and uh, the institutions which are watchdog institutions just have to make sure that systems are jacked up because it's also speaking to the institutional weaknesses. Uh, When you recruit people, you verify, you get their files, you get all their qualifications in place. And also, I do think that some kind of an amnesty of a certain period, three, six months, to say all people should come forward, whatever they claim to have will be reconciled against the record they have. If there is anything unbecoming, uh, that has to be corrected on the spot. It's only then that you could, uh, you know, have a sense of how many people right now I do think that it's just the season of that and a worrying uh, one because the scale in just uh, 12 months, the last 12 months, is quite uh, scary in a way. Let's just entertain that thought for a moment, an amnesty for people to come forward and, uh, you know, to clarify their positions. But uh, uh, what happens after that? Do they simply continue uh, in their positions or should there be further sanction? There should be uh, sanctions. It all depends on case by case. For example, there are jobs which were very specific, saying if you hold a certain qualification, you will be employed. And in such instances, you'll have violated, uh, you know, the conditions of that job because in the first place, you didn't meet the requirements. 
then there are entities like being a board member or being in parliament and so forth where sanctions could be there but you may not necessarily say i'm removing this person but again you wouldn't put a blanket uh, you know case you would look at a case by case for example the case you just narrated of mohau it would appear to me that it's a person who approached an institution worked with the institution believing that it was a genuine institution and in the end uh, it turned out to be one of those institutions as was the case with the principal uh, designate of tut mm-hmm. but, but there are cases Isn't laying claim to an unearned qualification fraud? It is, without any doubt, if you knowingly, and there is no supporting evidence, and you say, I do have this when you do not have it, it is. But again, to clean the situation and to clean this mess, at another level, you will have the institutions, because any institution that is employing you, an institution that is appointing you, having indicated that you must have in your file all the proof that you have everything that you claim to have. If those institutions happen to have not been vigilant enough and you open the file, nothing is there, and for years there was no follow-up, the institution also has to take a moral responsibility. Jenny, what's your view on that? You know, given uh, the vetting process uh, doesn't seem to be optimal because all of these issues are coming to light. I was just seeing uh, in the Sunday papers yesterday the uh, chief executive officer of Durban's Dubai Trade Port Corporation, um, uh, Saxon Van Koller, she also, you know, uh, uh, seemingly has fallen prey to this. You know, unfortunately, companies and government see employee screening as an expense. So they don't necessarily actually look at the value in it. And the reputational damage down the line, what is the cost of that compared to the expense of actually verifying information right at the beginning of the process? So until companies take it seriously and start looking at it, we can highlight the issues, we can tell them what the risks are, but they've actually got to tighten up that procedure and verify all information on a CV. But why aren't they doing it at this point? I think it's just because they see it as an expense. So where can you cut costs? And that's where they start cutting costs. They don't realize the damage and the cost of that damage later on. Well, we are asking this morning on the Forum at 8, how prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? Our lines are open 0891-104-208, and we'd love to hear from you. You can also tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM, or you can send us an SMS uh, to the number 34701. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll speak to Sakwa, Joe Samuels, to find out you know, what uh, their view is on this particular matter, and perhaps also just take a look at the prevalence of this where does it start how does it start and so on and so forth check in check out free breakfast and coffee in the lounge can't wait to get home oh no i forgot our anniversary what am i gonna get her hang on i haven't used my saa voyager companion ticket yet hmm i hear mauritius is nice this time of year 
passport, please. Enjoy a complimentary companion ticket upon reaching your spend threshold with your SAA Voyager American Express Premium Credit Card. Plus, you get 19,000 bonus SAA Voyager miles on your first trip. Apply for your card at nedbank.co.za forward slash SAA or flysaa.com and accelerate your miles earning rate. Terms, conditions, and spend thresholds apply. We're an authorized financial services and registered credit provider. Make things happen. Nedbank. The SA Post Office is back to full operations despite irregular disruptions which are tightly managed. Through our strong physical delivery network, the SA Post Office enables customers to communicate with their end customers. We are appealing for support and assure our customers of our commitment to serve you reliably as we recover from this period. Making SA Post Office your number one service provider. The SA Post Office. We deliver whatever it takes. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. How prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? That's what we're asking you on the forum at 8 this morning. Lines are open 891 Joe Samuels from the South African Qualifications Authority. You know, we are now talking about, you know, people uh, laying claim to PhDs that they don't have. But surely it starts with something as mundane as cheating at school level. And last year there was this big incident of, you know, group cheating at school level. Yes. Um, yeah. Look, um, there was this, uh, you know, the incident. Um, in fact, um, uh, this um, phenomenon of group group teaching, you know, it has been uh, in in uh, it has been in in seven of the provinces um, where this has been discovered and so on. Um, and I do think, you know, uh, it it really says something about our society that um, you know that that this is happening because you know if you're thinking about group t- teaching. Uh, sorry, group uh, cheating or, or, or group copying. Uh, it is not only the learners that's involved in it. It is um, very often, in fact, it is the invigilators and the teachers. Mm. Um, so all of those components uh, are involved in it. Um, I think that our uh, sister organization, Malusi, did a fairly good job by picking up um, that this uh, uh, problem has been happening. And there has been investigations, um, you know, around the matter and, and, and so on. And, and we hope that you know, with stern action being taken, that that people will clearly see that it is not it is not the right thing to do. Let me, uh, you know, get to the point about uh, prevalence. Now, I firstly want to make a kind of distinction here. You see, um, you know, Sakwa has got the responsibility that we've been given by the department or by the Minister of Public Service and Administration to uh, to verify all high-level appointments you know, in government institutions. Now, when I say government, what I mean is it excludes um, uh, 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 state-owned enterprises like the, the, the SABC um, and, and other state-owned enterprises like that. So we're talking about government departments, and we've been doing this verification of qualifications now uh, since 2010. And I must say, um, uh, Sakina, that um, we have found over the, the number of years that the, the number of uh, fraudulent qualifications that we've picked up, you know, has been consistent and it, and it, is, and it has been low. For example, um, in, in, 20, uh, in 2012-13, um, we have um, verified in the region of about 18,600 
uh, of of the qualifications, and only we've only found uh, 115 forward, uh, you know, confirmed forgeries. In 2014, 2013-14, out of 7,800, we have found 126, and now, uh, in terms of the 2014-15 year, um, we have found uh, 65. You know, so we are talking about less than one percent. Now, there are diff- there are a number of reasons for that. Firstly. When people know that the qualifications will be verified, they don't submit, you know, all these fraudulent things and so on. And I think, um, so as the previous speaker was saying, what we need to do is to make sure that when people apply for, for positions or anything like that, that they know that the qualifications will be verified. And it is not just a matter that it will be accepted, you know, what it is that they've been saying. So so I'm saying that in general I think it is low. I agree with um I agree with uh, the, the professor from UNISA that said um, what we have at the moment is not necessarily an increase uh, in the number of, 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 of fraudulent tertiary qualifications, but I think more and more of it come to light. And, in fact, we have seen that a number of these things have been high-profile cases. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that in itself raises some questions. But when you say that, you know, it is that low, is it perhaps a case of people, it, it, does the possibility exist that people then embellish their CVs after the fact, after that particular vetting has taken place? Um, n- n- I mean, look, the, the cases that we have, that we have, that we have seen, uh, it, it doesn't seem like, you know, that the embellishment uh, happens afterwards. Um, um, in fact, m- most of the cases, you know, most of the public cases, it has been a matter that uh, things haven't been verified uh, up front. Or, alternatively, also we know that in some cases, um, uh, some of the private agencies, you know, they want to, um, you know, get information quickly, you know, so within uh, within 24 hours and so on, they try to get the information back. And, and sometimes the work that has been done is not of... Uh, you know, it's not of a very high quality. And so we've been making the argument at SACWA that when we say that a person has got a fraudulent qualification, the answer is yes, we will make sure that that's the case. And where we are saying the person do have a qualification, we are 100% sure that the person does have a qualification. So I think the quality of verification is also important to mention here. Well, the question we are grappling with this morning, how prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? And we'll take your calls after this news break. AM Live on SAFM 104 to 107. On the forum at eight this morning, we ask how prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? Lines are open 891 Just want to read some of your messages coming through. Chris Drift says, lying about your qualifications is fraud. Until some high-profile person gets charged and convicted, there will be no end to the scourge. Lungelo Zulu says, uh, never cast stones if you're living in a glass house. The deafening outrage from some of the corners in South Africa really does say a lot and uh, Takalani Chibase says also look at church pastors anyone can call themselves a pastor also too many pastors with fake PhDs and uh, Tsepiso Mokwena says Sakwa should have a central verification system that will help all parties involved. So those some of your comments coming coming through. Please keep them coming at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo, also via SMS to three four seven zero one. Let's go to the lines. Anonymous is calling us from Pretoria. Good morning. 
good, good morning, Sagina, and good morning to your panel. Yes, uh, Anonymous. To be straight and to the point, Sagina, this, this is very prevalent, this issue of fraudulent qualifications. Buried needs a very serious cleanup in terms of uh, companies and departments of government seeing to it that uh, people are coming forward or they are being screened. But, Sagina, I have two questions to ask, and maybe your panel panel members will assist in this regard. I think it is it is unfair for, for people to, to work with a fraudulent qualification. Now, will it not be fair if such people have been discovered to be ordered to pay back all the salaries or all monies which they have received because it has been prevalent? That would be the first question. Mm-hmm. And uh, in case they fail to pay back, will it be fair for a company or for government to attach such people's assets in order to see to it that uh, those monies uh, are paid back? You know, I'm looking into uh, a terrain of, of a profession of teachers. A sales is there as a body for teachers. There is a, a code of professional ethics for mm. teachers. Now, one of those things which are being highlighted in the Code of Professional Ethics for Teachers is that the issue of fraudulent qualifications is very serious. And trainings which are being conducted to alert our teachers are that in case you have fraudulent qualifications and you are being caught, at the end of the day, you may be requested to pay back that money. I just want to find out whether it will be proper for such people to pay back this money after they have been discovered because of their fraudulency as well as attaching their assets. Okay. Thank you so much, Anonymous. Fanyana and Katlehong, good morning. Hi, SK. Also good morning to your panel. SK, I think financial institutions should also have been invited because I don't know if you know this, SK, when you buy a car or take a um, a life insurance, or even for that, um, for that matter, buying a house, your level of qualifications determine the interest you are likely to pay. So will the financial institutions also do away with determining the interest rates based on one's qualifications until at least there's a form of qualification audit or anything similar I know um, along those lines? Because it's all, it's all good to blame the government, but if the financial institutions who are giving all these products based on the um, one's qualifications, we are just going to, you know, um, uh, circle in one area and without moving anywhere. Okay. Let's blame the government. At the same time, the, financial, the, the private sector must also come to, 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 to play in this case. Got you there, Fanyana. Thanks so much. Uh, Diren in Durban, good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Welcome. Um, hi. My 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 point to make is um, related to the comment that your first speaker had made regarding <clears throat> where certain individuals are employed uh, on the basis of having a particular qualification and they should be dismissed. But uh, then I think he also said that uh, for other high-profile uh, positions like board members or members of parliament where those qualifications aren't really a prerequisite to having the job, then other sanctions can be imposed. But I think in those types of positions, um, it should be an instant dismissal, and not just dismissal, but uh, charges of fraud, because we always hear about people that are being investigated for fraud. They get put on um, full, you know, suspended with full pay, 
and then dismissed. But you never hear about charges actually being brought. And especially when it comes to members of parliament or politicians in that matter, um, they might get removed from their current position and then reinstated into another position. And until they're actually, you know, um, charged and put in jail, um, you're not going to see very much of a reduction in that kind of thing at those levels. Okay, that's Diren in Durban. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I'll get our panel to respond to those questions. AM Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. You're listening to the Forum at 8. And this morning we are asking, how prevalent are fraudulent tertiary qualifications in South Africa? And our panel this morning, we have with us Professor Sumatota Fikeni, who is a political analyst. Also, uh, Joe Samuels, who is the CEO of the South African Qualifications Authority. And Jenny Reed, Director of IFACT. Now, let's just look at some of the questions, uh, the issues that were raised by our listeners here um, uh, during that tranche of calls. Anonymous uh, wants to know, um, and Dr. Dr. Fikini, I'm going to put this to you because you raised the issue of amnesty. He says it's unfair that people benefited unduly because of fraudulent qualifications and therefore they should be expected to pay back the money. And if need be, they should have their assets attached to recoup that money. There's no doubt that people and all of us are saying firm action has to be taken. But I'm looking at the state capacity to deal with corruption in general because this particular pattern of behavior, save a few instances where you may say that the person might have just been duped by an institution when the person thought they knew what they were doing. This is part of corruption. You can't isolate this from corruption. And I've always been saying that we should ask and question the wisdom of us saying the country faces triple challenges of unemployment, poverty, and inequality when, in fact, corruption might be the biggest elephant in the room. So by saying that there ought to be amnesty, you are simply trying to help the government instead of dealing with the drips and droves, instead of dealing with one, two, three high-profile cases, to say within three months or within six months, let institutions go back into the files and check everybody and let individuals who are involved come forward. This is to establish the scale of the problem the same way as when you have guns prevalent in your society and you can no longer contain it. You do not even know how much there is. You have an amnesty people come forward And, of course, when you say amnesty, you're saying people should volunteer to come forward. In the same manner as when you have illegal immigrants, you do not know whether you have 4 million or 1 million. You say, let's have amnesty, people should come forward so that you formalize. Or else you will, without the state capacity, without the private sector cooperation, live with this problem for the longest. Amnesty is just meant... Mm to deal with it once and for all. But Anonymous also raises a very important of ethics and ethical leadership, especially when these uh, fraudulent qualifications are exposed, uh, you know, of people who are shouldering very huge responsibility. Without any doubt, ethical leadership means that people upon being exposed or when they realize the problem they've caused, 
that they should step aside and not only in terms of qualifications but in terms of any other fraudulent activity but unfortunately in the south african context the opposite seems to take place where people arrogantly say i'm not going anywhere that's why for all the weaknesses and for all problems uh, the case of paulo jordan was quite exemplary in a sense you get exposed and you own up and you show a sense of shame and mm. con- i mean uh, that in itself i think to me uh, was one page one lesson which ought to be emulated and um, uh, um, fanyana talks about the private sector jenny uh, because uh, very much, uh, uh, we, we, uh, very often we tend to focus on what's happening in public institutions, but the private sector uh, seemingly gets, you know, to fly under the radar, as it were. Not really. Um, we we pick up a lot. We sit with about 35% of the qualifications that we verify being fraudulent. Um, and the fraud is not only not having completed the qualification, but it's also... Um, they falsify the marks, so and they they falsify subjects. So the verification process is quite has to be detailed, um, and done correctly. But we are finding about one in three. And then uh, just looking at what uh, Bongani Madela is saying, um, uh, Joe Samuels, he says qualifications fraud is most uh, common form of falsification in South Africa, but particularly when it comes to matric certification. And uh, Jenny, would you say that you bear that out? Yeah, we get, we're getting loads of matric, uh, fraudulent matric qualifications. And the problem is our leaders are getting away with it. So what are we teaching the youngsters coming through school? They don't uh, get a matric, so they just buy a certificate. Their marks aren't good enough, so they buy a better matric certificate. And if you then just verifying the matric, they, they're away, they get, yes, they get a tick in the box, but the subjects they've done and the marks they've got are fraudulent. So we're seeing that come through, and there's no action taken against anybody, no posit, um, no severe action. They're uh, suspended with pay and then dismissed, and I'm sure there's often a golden handshake, just disappear into the distance and off you go. And the next case comes up and there's you we're not seeing anything serious happening to these guys so we're not sending a good message back to the young generation joe samuels yeah uh, can i come in and say look look i think even the way that we speak about these things are highly problematic you see my understanding there isn't such a thing as a, as a, as a matrix certificate um, what we have is that um, at the moment we've got the certificate that people get is a national senior certificate now, when you get a bachelor's pass, that is what is being referred to as matric. So in other words, it's a pass that allows you access into the university. So the way that we talk about things also is, is highly problematic because if a person gets a certificate pass, it is not a matric, you know. Um, you know so I'm just saying, you know, a lot of part of the problem that we also have is that the way in which um, language has been used, and, you know, and we can't just blame um, you know, ordinary people, in fact, when they when they use, you know, the similar language and in a confusing way that the media... But hold uses. up, Mr. Samuels. Uh, maybe yes. the confusion arises from your side. Because no, no, no. when it's children get side. into grade 12, yes. isn't that year referred to as their matric year? 
the well, I mean, the, what I'm saying is that it is not something that us as a, as a South African Qualifications Authority has been saying. I'm saying, you see, when you talk about the matric certificates, that is part of the problem. You know, you get, you get a national senior certificate, and I'm saying part of the problem is we must get our language sorted out. But let me deal with say, some of the other things quickly. Um, the question about um, the, the question about um, the, uh, what are the kind of qualifications where we get you know the most fraud? Um, not only in South Africa but across the world, you know, we do get the most prevalent uh, qualifications that that people um, where, they, where, where, where where there's fraud committed and so on is school living certificates. And and we, we I'm saying that because we don't only verify. Um, the qualifications, um, you know, national qualifications and African qualifications, we also verify foreign qualifications. Um, you know, so, so, so the point was, you know, that one of the, your, your listeners raised was that there should be a system of verification, and, and SACWA do have a system of verification of both national qualifications and of foreign qualifications. Um, the other point I want to make is that the Minister of Higher Education and Training has been really at the forefront of trying to deal with this question, um, dealing with uh, fraudulent qualifications. One of the things that the Minister has done is he has uh, asked the department that, that SACWA must verify all the qualifications of everyone in the department. And I think, you know, that kind of lead should be taken by other departments and should be taken by the private sector as well. You know, I think it's a very good... Uh, you know, it's a very good initiative. The minister also asked SACWA to, to set up and investigate setting up a register of fraudulent qualifications, and we are busy doing that. We, are, in fact, have got a list, um, you know, of those confirmed for, uh, uh, fraudulent qualifications uh, already, and we are now going through the processes to find out legally what does it mean if one makes this public and so on. Because so, so what I'm saying, the minister is really dealing with that. Then, the, you know, there's also, a de- there's also a departmental helpline that has been set up, um, and it is 80860356635. Again, to say, if there is any person that knows uh, of a fraudulent qualification, they can phone the number and so on, you know. So, so I'm saying there's a whole number of things, you know, that, 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 that needs to be done. I think that this suggestion that Dr. Fikini is making about the amnesty is a kind of interesting thought, um, you know, that one obviously needs to consider. But also we need to consider both the, the positive sides as well as the downsides to it, um, you know, as it were. And I think, you know, Sakina, you were part of a seminar that Sakwa had last year where we looked at this whole question and said uh, part of what we're dealing with here is we're talking about what are the kinds of um, values in our society, because if we allow people to continue uh, to have fraudulent qualifications uh, and we endorse that and so on, we, we've got a serious problem. just want to read a few of the messages coming through. You know, you talk about people calling um, a, a helpline should they be aware of any sort of fraudulent qualifications, and it raises the issue of whistleblowing. It's from Bertram Beard, and he says, why do people get away with fraudulent qualifications? Because it's an insult to qualified people. I find myself looking for work, even though I'm a qualified accountant, 
audit tax practitioner and fraud examiner due to whistleblowing on corrupt activity. Where is the fairness in this world? And then, you know, it goes on. There are so many other messages coming through. Um, this one here from Cameron Morisane says, the problem with fake qualifications uh, floating around is because people are too lazy to work for their qualifications. Punsu says graduates with uh, real honors uh, degrees are and master's degrees are unemployed, but fake degrees are at work. And that is what summarizes our country at the moment. Then um, this one from Dube in Durban says, these fraudsters who falsify their qualifications prejudice the bona fide candidates for the vacant posts they occupy. Surely their fraudulent CVs influence their appointments and they should be fired because they are dishonest. And how do you trust such people? What does it say for our international reputation as a country that claims to have clean administration we have no world to correct and uh, you know get this thing proper that's what Dube says in Durban Temba says there are two angles to this matter one integrity and two competency and some of these are highly competent but have fake qualifications Archie says I would like your panel to comment on a qualification that was dishonestly earned from an unrecognized institution in South Africa as compared to a fraudulent one. And then a few others as well. This one from Hosea in Nelspreit who says, I wonder before an appointment is made, uh, shouldn't there be a verification of results? But that is not the case in this country anymore unless they lost the information on their systems. So, And that's the trend of most of the messages. But let's hear from Tando in East London. Good morning, Tando. There's definitely a rubbishing of standards, of course, uh, as what it implies. But one of the biggest jokes for me is uh, that uh, SAA fellows acting now who said uh, when he was discovered that he doesn't even have a trick, he, he actually compared himself to Richard Branson and Henry Ford. And to me, to, to me it was like Henry Ford and Richard, it was after the fact. And he hasn't done anything. He's already comparing himself to those icons. But anyway... Also, I would, I would like to give a background, I think, in a sense that in South Africa, things don't happen on their own because if you look at what has happened, for instance, when we grew up, we used to hear stories about Forte, that uh, lecturers at Forte would say to students, listen, you're too many for this course, you're not all, all going to pass. And those were, uh, you know, white lecturers, that was during apartheid. And so, uh, for me, one of the scariest things is that People get away with so much, and some don't. For instance, I'll give an example. Also, you will hear stories at Wentworth, at, at uh, the medical school, that some some people used to buy degrees, and that's why, for instance, some some people will never go to certain doctors of certain uh, cultures, background because they actually know that they used to buy their degrees, their medical degrees. And you say, and, and also the latest story that is calling for me is of Professor Notuluana at at, at uh, NNMU. You know, he, he came, he came from, from, from America, fine. And then he was doing changes. He was actually transform, transforming the institution. And all of a sudden, his qualifications are in question and everything. Because for me, for instance, NNMU is just still his UPE because it's still full of those uh, born people who were actually suppressing people in, in, at, at Forte University. It was standard. And also, the fact that metric back then was so difficult. Metric was too difficult. That's why everybody was into JC and teachers' course 
because a lot of people were distanced to actually even achieving. Now, mm. all of a sudden, this is because there are so many. And also, one of the facts is that these other people were, were, were awarded these professorships. If you go to this university, UPE and everything, they, they, were, they were awarded. And, and us, we had to go to, to, to America. A lot of African people had to go overseas to get uh, uh, qualifications to come and be somebody's. And all that is is, is not is not uh, uh, mentioned. Okay. Now, all right. Got the gist of that, Tando. Thanks for the call. Charles is calling us from Cape Town. Good morning. Hi, your guest. Um, I just uh, some of your guests uh, taking some of my 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 facts. Um, I just want to uh, the East colleagues and you work with. You know, during your party, they they got into proposition, and then. They didn't have the qualifications. They worked, and then they, they some didn't even have qualifications. They got this years of experience, and they, you know, they they expected and and they they recognized as you know people with so-called years of experience, and they are falling into that appeal by government. And, and this, I say, it's a myth. There isn't um, qualified people in the in the streets. There is so many di- diplomats and, and degree people that can fill this post, but there's not that will, especially the private sector. Government is doing their, um, their bit now. Where they're having interns on, on all um, municipalities. They're pushing for, for internships and um, various other departments. But the private sector, as if there's, there's, there's this um, hidden sort of agenda where we can't have local um, uh, black South Africans get ahead, get this qualifications because... They're gonna actually eventually wipe us out of okay. out and out of the sea. So I mean, that now, now um, Mr. Fakini was saying, now how do you address that? Because there's um, various of these, like the, the, the previous caller said, that they got favoured um, diplomas. They, they didn't, um, you know, they, they couldn't mm. just, um, meet the requirements, but they were pushed over. All right, got you there. Got uh, the gist of that, Charles. Kulu SD says amnesty should only be granted if the concerned con artists are willing to pay back some of their ill-gotten monies, period. And uh, then a few others here. Uh, Pippa Green also weighing in. Pippa says um, qualifications also not checked by the media. Peko often spoke on the economy at SAFM News uh, some years ago, uh, and she was introduced as an expert. And uh, of course, Nkululeko um, says the problem is more complex than addressing the fake qualifications the system must produce quality and competence and many others weighing in on that unfortunately we don't even have time to wrap it up this morning we are just hopelessly out of time and i must just say thank you to our guests this morning uh for coming through and weighing in on this matter uh jenny reed director of ifax joe samuels who's the ceo of the south african qualifications authority and uh, professor soma dota fikeni uh political uh analyst thank you so much for your time this morning really appreciate it of course this particular debate will rage on for some time yet so uh you will actually make up your own mind but you can also listen to the podcast of this you can go to www.safm.co.za and you'll find that and many other things on that website. With that said, thank you so much for your time this morning and for your fantastic input. And as always, uh, you know, to our production team for making sure it went out loud and clear. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning, bright and early right now, though. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.